to welcome you to the Chapter 49 podcast. Today is August 25th of 2022. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a communications volunteer for Chapter 49. We represent most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. I'd like to apologize to our loyal listeners and viewers. We did miss a week last week. We told you in advance we would miss the week before. Unfortunately, there was a death in my family, so I was away and uh, unable to produce this podcast last week. So we apologize for not being there, but we are here now. And uh, Duncan Giles, of course, is with us as always. And uh, welcome once again, Duncan. Thank you very much, Larry. Good to be here. And of course, I uh, overrode uh, Duncan with music. So, you know, this the office of the producer is not uh, on his game <laughs> at the moment. If you're watching, you know we have a guest, a man who has been on this podcast several times before, and we're always honored to have him. The national president of the National Treasury Employees Union, NTEU, Tony Reardon. So, President Reardon, welcome once again. Always an honor to have you with us. Well, I will tell you, uh, uh, both Duncan and, and Larry, it is my honor uh, to be with you. So happy to be here. Well, great to have you. And there's so much we need to discuss. And I'm going to open this up with a question about uh, something you had recently done. You released uh, a, publicly a letter you sent to co uh, IRS Commissioner Charles Rettig, and it had to do with safety, calling on a safety and security review uh, for, for the entire IRS with all the threats and, and, and all the quite frankly, crazy comments being made by people uh, nationwide that normally you would not expect to see, as like sitting senators and, and rep members of the House, for instance. So what I would like you to start off with is explain uh, the letter you sent to the commissioner and the response you have received so far. Absolutely, uh, Larry. Glad to do it. So let me let me kind of uh, take a step back even a little bit further and and talk about why the need even for um, the letter? You know, there's, and, and you referred to it, um, talking about some of the folks uh, in Congress that have been telling candidly what, um, you know, I've described as dangerous and false rhetoric. And, and ultimately, they are, uh, they're lies. And, yeah. you know, I think that those lies um, are harmful enough, but now um, the lies are resulting in um, threats to employee safety. You know, so let's clear this up, right? For everybody listening, because I know you have certainly IRS uh, employees, but also others from NTEU and maybe even outside of NTEU who um, uh, view or listen to this podcast, there is not going to be an army of 87,000 <laughs> armed new IRS agents. That simply is a falsehood. And and I will also say that they will not be the uh, the eighty seven thousand that we keep hearing about uh, employees. First of all, um, fifty two thousand, according to IRS, um, of those eighty seven thousand are going to be individuals who are um, going to be filling um, spots of those over the next six years who are expected to um, uh, a trip out of uh, out of the IRS. And 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 so these new employees that are going to be hired, they're not going to be targeting uh, small business owners. So we have heard um, loudly, as I'm sure um, Duncan, uh, you have, uh, from our members about their concerns regarding safety. As a result, um, I wrote a letter and sent it last Saturday to Commissioner Reddick um, asking for a full-blown security review. And Commissioner Reddick, um, to his credit, 
responded um, very quickly and on uh, Tuesday ordered the review that I had asked for. Um, I think we all have seen that this has been a major um, uh, national news story, as it should be. And so I think that is really very good news um, for uh, employees, for the IRS. Um, and so NTEU is is certainly cooperating through uh, this process. So we really need to hear from employees about um, what needs to be improved. And, you know, I mean, for example, you know, in my view, the th kinds of things that really need to be looked at is we need to look at uh, stricter access to um, IRS buildings. We need to make sure that the physical structures, the physical workplaces are hardened, um, that there are enough security guards, um, that local um, law enforcement is cooperating with one another. And so they are communicating uh, very clearly and timely about any threats that are out there. Um, and, and, you know, I, I mean, there are even things that when you really think about it, I suspect are needed in some locations where you even need better lighting um, outside of the um, outside of the building. So, you know, I, those are the kinds of things that I think are happening. And so I think what we need to do, Larry, is um, this this review security review is underway. And so I think one of the things that will be important is as the review um um, is is you know as they undergo the IRS undergoes the review there are going to be things that are going to be learned through that review and so I think that will uncover um, some of the things that uh, um, other things that need to be uh, dealt with um, in addition to what I've already outlined. You know, before I turn it over to Duncan again, I, I just want to say one quick thing. I spent my last six years uh, at IRS as a manager. Uh, Duncan refers to this as my time to the dark side of the force. But uh, one thing, I was a t uh, manager of taxpayer assistance centers. And when we had that horrible incident where a man flew an airplane into an IRS office in Austin, Texas, that resulted in a security review. All the managers of these taxpayer assistance centers have been sending in security reports for years. And when that happened, when uh, people sat down and looked at all of those security reports we had been submitting, literally over a weekend, there were armed guards in every taxpayer assistance center. So security reviews do bring about very important changes. So I'm very glad to hear that you made the proposal and that the commissioner has uh, had a positive response, and that is, is, go is, un is underway. So I'm going to turn this over for the next question to Duncan Giles. Yeah. Uh, Tony, one of the things is, you know, you and I have both heard, you know, they're going, like you said, they're going to be these 87,000 armed agents. And as I've explained to numerous people outside the IRS, including some of the media, the fact that the armed agents that we're going to be hiring are probably less than one half of 1%. And, you know, this, this hiring is actually a good thing, as I tell people, and I'm sure you have too, is... You know, we need to have more people on the phones. We need to have more people on the campuses. We need to have more people out there auditing the folks that are trying to hide stuff. We need to have the folks in collection who are going out and getting the money that is owed to the government that folks have ignored notices or nervous, not able to pay things of that nature. But when we get some of this rhetoric out there that is whipping people up, um, I just want you know, I'm first off very appreciative of your efforts on the national level 
to try and you know bring this to the IRS and everyone else's attention. But you know, I I just wonder how much we're going to be able to tamp this down um, in the near future so it does calm down a little bit. What what are your senses when you've talked to people? Is this going to be ongoing thing that we're going to have to be fighting for a long period of time, or do you think it'll calm down a little bit? Well, you know, Duncan, I, I your question is um, obviously a, a, a very good one. And, you know, I, I wish I had a crystal ball within which to, to appear so that I could give you a really good answer. But here's, here's what I'll tell you. And this is encouraging to me. Um, just in the last um, uh, 24 hours, I've had three television appearances. I've also had over the last several days, um, many other uh, media contacts, um, whether it be radio or, um, uh, you know, uh, journalism, written journalism. And one of the things that I will tell you that I will, I have been very gratified to see is that everybody who is reporting on this reports that, um, you know, all of this rhetoric out there is in fact um, uh, or they are, in fact, I should say, um, lies. And and so I think that there is the chance that it will get tamped down. But here's, unfortunately, we are in a place in our country um, with the political divisions that exist that, um, you know, people get their news wherever they get it. And they, and they tend to get the news that sort of coincides with, you know, the narrative that they're used to to uh, uh, believing or, or, or espousing. And so I think it is, the question you ask is a really good one and I don't know the answer, but I think there is a chance that it will be tamped down a little bit. But here's the other thing. I think um, there are many Americans that are just simply tired of um, people being uh, threatened and, and, and lies resulting in the potential for people being threatened. Look, you know, um, Larry mentioned the Echelon building where the taxpayer flew the airplane into the, in Austin in, in uh, uh, 2010. Obviously, we all remember what happened at the uh, Alfred uh, Murrah built federal building in Oklahoma City um, when Timothy McVeigh and his crew uh, uh, bombed the building. And so when the lies start, this is th- these are the kinds of things that are happening. And look, I mean, it's not it, certainly right now. The IRS seems to be kind of in the um, uh, the focus of a lot of this, but it's all of government, and and that is part of the problem. That that's the fear that that I have is that certainly my fear about anything happening uh, potentially to IRS employees, but but also just that any employees. And so, to what extent will somebody? like occurred last week outside the FBI building in Cincinnati, right? Right. right. Um, so those kinds of things can certainly happen. And that that's one of the reasons that NTEU and I personally have came out, have, have come out um, uh, so strong on trying to address um, this particular issue. But I will tell you that I'm in the process of going to, you know, we represent employees at NTEU in 34 agencies. I'm in the process right now of going to every single agency head where we represent folks to request that they have the security uh, review of their locations. I am concerned about all of our members. Um, and so we're we're in the process of uh, doing that that too, because, you know, who knows what could happen. And I here's one of the things that I'm 
that um, concerns me. I do not want there to be a tragedy that is what is the catalyst for change. We need to get on the front end of this and make sure that people are as safe as possible. But part of that is, and and folks, you know that are you know, that are watching, we have some impact on this because we can reach out to our um, uh, uh, elected representatives, and if they are the ones who are in fact um, coming up with all this negative rhetoric, tell them to stop. Shouldn't happen. And then ultimately, I think it's incumbent on all of us to make sure that we are putting on. Uh, Capitol Hill putting into nationally elected offices those people who support us. Sorry about the long answer. No, I think it's a very good one and a needed one. And I think that's one of your last points was extremely important is we need to have our folks, our members and other employees, let their elected officials know that you can't be saying this and to educate them. I've been reaching out to a couple of different congressional offices in uh, in my state, you know, where people have, you know, had the rhetoric and let them know that, you know, here's some facts. I want to I want to try and confuse them with facts rather than the rhetoric that they're getting out there, because it's just it's just nuts to me, because this is ultimately and I think you'll agree with this is, you know, the hiring is a good thing. This Absolutely. is going to be a good thing for the United States. Uh, for the taxpayers. Well, well, Duncan, you're exactly right. And so, you know, to put this in perspective for the, the viewers and listeners, you know, if you go back to just the 2010, the IRS has lost um, 20,000 employees. It is something on the order of 22%, I think, of uh, their staffing. No organization, no company you know, could could function um, effectively through that. So um, the money is needed to bring in sufficient staffing, number one. Number two, to improve customer service, funding is needed. Number three, um, when you think, and, and you both know this, when you think to the technology that the IRS currently utilizes, in 2022, it dates back much of it to the 1960s. And so there is absolutely um, this increased funding is needed um, for that uh, for that purpose as well. And the final thing I guess I, I, I want to say about this is, you know, IRS employees, let's let's remember this, everybody. IRS employees are uh, responsible for administering a tax system based on laws, right, that are put in place by Congress, you know, so it's not like the IRS or the IRS employees are the ones coming up with the laws. And so um, I I think we need to keep that in mind. And oh, by the way, if we don't have a fully well-functioning IRS, our economy is in shambles. The IRS brings in 95% of our government's revenue. That's how we have a powerful defense in this country. All the public services that we that we offer to our citizens, it comes through the money that is brought in um, by the IRS. IRS employees have the um, the right, like any other employees, to go to work and to be safe in in going to work and while at work. 
Let I me, get a little bit passionate about this. Well, I think you should. I don't think there's <laughs> any reason. And, and I just want to, if you can make a brief comment, because you've already addressed this, but I want to make sure this point is made. And by the way, I when I came to work at the IRS in the 1980s, we were considered to be ahead of the game in terms of technology. And it's really sad that we have, as an agency, as, as a retired person from that agency, have fallen so far behind. But I would like just a quick comment for you as, as to what this um, uh, Inflation Reduction Act will mean to the Internal Revenue Service, to its employees. Um, it's going to make some very big changes. So I want you just to summarize a little bit what people working for IRS and the public will see differently with the, an IRS that is uh, fully funded for at least the next 10 years. Well, so look, um, you know, I think we just we just talked about a little bit about the technology. I think that will assist um, both taxpayers as well as um, employees in ways that um, maybe we can't even imagine, right? But I, I think there will be um, a huge impact on that. In terms of, of customer service, let's just think about this. As we bring in more staffing, you're going to have more people who are going to be available to answer telephones um, at the IRS. Right now, I believe the level of service, and Duncan, you might even know this uh, uh, better than me, it fluctuates, but I've heard anywhere from 11% to 14% level of service and answering the phones at the IRS. I can tell you, I remember um, several years ago, many years ago at this point now, I guess, where the level of service was in the 70s. And, yep. you know, and, and that was thought to be, well, okay, you know, decent. 70 In the 70s, you know, <laughs> let's provide the funding that the IRS needs so that, you know, um, the level of service is... Uh, they're able to dramatically increase that. So I think in terms of customer service, um, I think it's a, 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 a big issue. Technology, um, you know, there are so many things that, um, you know, this funding is going to help the IRS do and ultimately benefit um, the taxpayer. Here's another thing. If you just look at the tax gap, you know, and it obviously that, you know, it, it changes all the time, but it's, it's like over it's like over four hundred billion dollars, I believe, at this juncture. We've heard the commissioner say, I think, in the last year, he said in front of Congress, he thought it might even be one trillion dollars. Um, so, you know, I mean, wherever it is, it's a lot of money, and to have um, more IRS employees who are then even better suited through technology and training. I mean, in 2013, training the training dollars at the IRS were cut by 85%. And so as you improve training, which takes dollars, you're going to better prepare IRS employees to be able to, to, um, uh, to, to work with these corporations who are unfortunately in some of these um, uh, higher earners that aren't paying their fair share, the IRS is going to be better positioned to uh, to reduce um, some of that tax gap. So there are a lot of things this money is going to be able to do. You know, D uh, Duncan and I have been talking for weeks, months, maybe over a year about uh, the COVID protocols, the testing, the reasonable accommodations. Duncan, I'd like you to take over the questioning about what's happening there. Yeah, uh, if you could, Tony, update us exactly where we're at right now with the COVID protocols, you know, because I understand now we're not going to be doing the testing, uh, but there is still some safeguards that we'd still want people to do. So 
if you could dive into that a little bit, I know it's constantly evolving. It, it, it is. Um, so um, for the listeners, you know, there is new CDC guidance um, that is out there that has ended um, the screening testing program. And just to be clear, this is something that um, way before the CDC changed their guidance was something that NTEU um, had asked um, to happen. Um, because ultimately, here's the bottom line, the testing program was not achieving the intended goal of keeping people safe. So at the IRS, the testing program is over and the IRS is currently in the process of winding it down, including um, canceling the contract that they had with the uh, uh, with the vendor. We believe that the money could be better spent by providing high quality masks to employees um, and the uh, IRS, um, um, I will also say, is no longer asking for uh, vaccination status um, either. And just to, because I get this question um, quite frequently, so I just want to clear this up, in, you know, and in, in with everybody uh, uh, paying attention here, the, the vaccine mandate requirement is still in court. And um, so as a result, everything around the vaccine mandate itself is on hold while that uh, legal battle uh, plays out. You know, there is some some good news that uh, I think we need to talk about here, and that is the fact that Duncan and his uh, team and bargaining the national agreement was able to obtain a child care subsidy in the contract. There have been some bumps in the road as far as getting it started. Uh, talk about where that. Okay, Duncan is going to laugh at that one. I'm trying to be kind here, <laughs> so I'll let you uh, chime in, Tony. Uh, just tell us about where that stands and who uh, will benefit from this. Well, so first off, let me say this: a huge, huge uh, thank you and and credit to our IRS bargaining team, of which um, Larry, you've mentioned uh, uh, several times in prior programs. Um, that Duncan was uh, one of the uh, um, full-time team members of, of the bargaining team. And so a credit to Duncan and everybody else on the bargaining team that negotiated what I believe is an outstanding win for employees. So here's, here's kind of where we are. The uh, uh, enrollment window closes on uh, September 14th. And so I am urging absolutely every employee who may qualify um, to apply, because ultimately what this means is um, as much as $5,000 per year back in your pocket, depending on um, your uh, income level. So the IRS reports the um, enrollment period is moving along fine. But one of the things that I will share with you is make sure that you have um, all the documents that you're going to need in front of you as you are applying. Um, and, you know, NTU has previously shared what that information is. You can go to um, the uh, IRS source. Um, there are things you're going to need like OPM forms, uh, your tax return, uh, your um, SF-50, uh, the uh, child care provider's fee info, and I don't know, Duncan, is there anything else you can think of that I'm missing there? 
Uh, anything to do with the child care, you know, where the child care provider is located. I think their tax ID number, if they have it, that sort of thing. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Have the documentation there together. And, you know, Tony, you're so right. If you think you may qualify for this, please go ahead and, you know, enroll in it. Because if we can save you some money, this was, you know, Ken Moffat. I, I credit Ken Moffat for this, our director of negotiations. I call it, you know, this is his, uh, this is his baby. And it's it's just such a great thought and great idea. And, you know, let's take advantage of it because it is a benefit the employees should have. And you're right, Duncan. And um, I would also say that, you know, if you do not enroll right now, you can only enroll um, when you have a major life event or in the next annual enrollment period. So, you know, if this is something you might qualify or don't uh, qualify for, don't delay. Um, get her done. Get her done is exactly right. Now, um, let me also speak very briefly, if if, if I can, about the uh, uh, retroactive payments. So the the program, this entire uh, program was supposed to start, as I think certainly IRS employees know, um, in January of 2022. And, um, you know, I won't go into all the reasons, you know, why it didn't, but it didn't. And and the IRS was was delinquent in in getting this off the ground. So as a result, NTEU filed a national grievance, and we asked for retroactive payments to uh, January uh, uh, of of 2022. The IRS is prepared to make those payments, and I and and so I'll, there's an important point that I want to make. You have to enroll during this period. So by September 14th in order to get the retroactive payments. Um, finally, I would say, even if you are no longer using um, uh, childcare, you are still eligible for the retroactive payments. You know, there may be a situation where right now you're not using it, but you did use it in the prior, you know, in, in the earlier part of the year, you still could get retroactive payments for that period of time. I'm, we just have a few minutes left, so so uh, Tony, I would like for you to address one last thing. Uh, we are because we're recording this on August twenty fifth, the day before we record this. President Biden um, announced a, a ten thousand is for some people on Pell Grant's twenty thousand dollar loan forgiveness for student debt, which is a big story. But there's another part of this that NTU's been talking about. There's a public service loan forgiveness program. So if you could take a couple of minutes, talk about that, and encourage people to apply if they may be eligible. Absolutely, absolutely, uh, happy to do it. So um, a waiver was put in place by um, the Department of Education. Um, that allows many, many, many more employees um, to be eligible for the federal loan forgiveness program. And, you know, look, the the anybody who's tried to uh, uh, work within this program knows that it has been badly broken. And so NTEU fought extremely hard um, for all of these changes. But I do want to make sure that, you know, um, uh, there is a deadline. You've got to apply by October 31st of this year. And what I'll tell you is, I mean, it's it it, it is you know we are seeing some improvements, and in fact, thousands of folks with with loans um, they they've already had loans forgiven. Just this week, in fact, um, NTEU sent some information out on this. 
um, including some information about webinars about the process um, that employees can can follow in order um, to join. So let me give everybody, if you have, um, if you're interested in this and you want to find out a little bit more about it, let me give you a um, a, a website because I know uh, a lot of uh, folks here on the staff have been going to it pretty frequently as we've been trying to uh, um, you know work with uh, all of these uh, changes that are happening. You can go to www.pslf dot gov. Let me give that again. www.pslf.gov. And you can certainly uh, learn more um, uh, there. And we'll put the, that website on our show notes as well. So people will have another way to get to it. We're nearly out of time. Duncan, any final question for our national president? Uh, I just want, Tony, is there anything that we haven't discussed that you'd like to bring up at this time? So um, the the one thing that I will um, mention because I was uh, I was instructed by um, the uh, public relations and communications department <laughs> to talk a little bit about um, our the uh, IRS contract and one of the reasons I know can you all see that <laughs> so so you know we've heard from a lot of people hey when are we getting the uh, when are we getting the contract well you see it it's here the the contract is here. For those, li- the, for those listening, uh, he's putting it up on the screen just for your right, information. Right, and and the reason uh, PR wanted me to uh, uh, show this is because the um, uh, this co- this cover that I just showed, you know, up on the screen, is uh, something that NTEU designed. So the contracts here is is you know the takeaway. Um, the IRS, as I understand it, is already in process of providing a copy to um, every employee. So what was the reason that it was delayed? Um, and, and Duncan, you probably know this as well as I do. What we heard from the IRS is that there was a, a paper shortage that caused the delay. And so as a result, the printing and distribution didn't happen, but it has now started. And so every bargaining unit employee should be getting their copy of the contract, hopefully very soon. Well, that's very good news. Lots of people like that paper in their hand, even though we are in a digital age. Uh, and D- Duncan and I have talked about this. Uh, our experience is that we're more managers and employees who use the paper copies, so it may be a better, uh, be more for them. Uh, Tony Reardon, thank you so much. We always appreciate you taking time to join us. So you can have kind of a long-form discussion about what's going on. And, and we really touched the surface. We could have talked about a lot more. So we hope you... Uh, 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 we'll come back and talk to us again in the future. I'm sure there'll be no shortage of subjects. Any any final comment or question from Duncan before we go? Uh, my only comment is, um, you know, I, I always espouse this. And I know Tony espouses it as well. You know, get a work-life balance. I was able to strike off something from my bucket list uh, last week and go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame for a couple of days. Can't tell you how much I enjoyed it. My awesome girlfriend, Kim, put that together. But I mean, take, you know, we all work hard. We bust our butts. Our employees that we represent do a great job. But take time to do stuff that's important to you. It helps recharge you. 
Yes, even as a retired guy, I'd get involved in too many volunteer activities, including this one. So I actually have to back off a little bit. Thank you once again to everybody watching and listening. Tony Reardon, again, Mark, great thanks to you for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, we try to make this a weekly podcast to the extent that we can, but Duncan Giles and I are always on. And uh, we do have guests, and we, uh, again, appreciate uh, our national president, Tony Reardon, joining us. We have both an audio and video version. You can go to YouTube and find Duncan Giles. That's our video version. Or you can go to uh, just about any audio platform and just see the Chapter 49 podcast there. So thank you for watching and listening. Please be safe and be kind.